One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Noseworthy. So we need to talk about some uh, some really big picture things to really understand inflammation and the impact that it has on you. Um, and to be honest, the best place to start is with something called the neuroendocrine immune super system. And I know that sounds like a uh, just a mouthful of words, but um, a Japanese researcher, scientist, medical doctor named Tada uh, coined the phrase the neuroendocrine immune super system in an effort to describe how those three entities, the brain, the hormones, and the immune system work together to coordinate and control all aspects of human function. And in reality, the neuroendocrine immune super system, let's just call it the super system to keep it simple. Um, it, it's a single thing. And even though it's very convenient to talk about the brain as a separate piece or the hormones as a separate piece or your immune system as a separate piece, the reality is, is because they all are so tightly interlinked that we can't have a sensible discussion about one without at least even thinking about perhaps discussing each of the other two. Here's an example. If I show you the front of my hand, uh, you understand that that is the front of my hand, that there's a back to my hand, uh, and you don't get confused thinking those are two different things. It's just my hand, and you're just looking at a different part of it. So when we talk about inflammation, all we're doing is we're plucking out one piece of that entire super system, and we're talking about it in isolation, when in fact we should be talking about the entire system. Here's another example. When we start to look at inflammatory symptoms that can impact, for example, the brain or the hormonal system, the other two parts of the super system, we recognize inflammation in the brain as simple things like uh, depression, lack of motivation, or probably a little bit more commonly brain fog. And, and so here's how this works, is that when you have an inflammatory process that makes its way into the brain, or there are many different ways that that can happen, but let's just say that you have some kind of inflammation in the brain, the technical term is neuroinflammation, then what that, what that does to the brain from a function standpoint is it slows down the conduction process, how quickly one neuron signals and communicates with the next one. So it actually slows down the processing speed of all of the neuronal architecture. And when that happens, we experience a, kind of a decline or an inefficiency of our thought process, of our decision making. It's almost like we're like we're thinking through a cloud. And, and it's very difficult for some people to describe this, but the most common description is, I've got brain fog. Now, again, we recognize brain fog to be a neuroinflammatory process. It doesn't answer where that came from. It certainly doesn't tell us what to do to change it. All we know is that when someone says, hey, I've got brain fog, we know there's an inflammatory problem in the brain. Is it in the brain and only the brain, or is it something in the body that's then spilling into the brain environment to create? These are the questions that we have to deal with on a clinical basis all the time. Now, another common manifestation of inflammation in the brain is uh, lack of motivation and depression. And I say those two things together because a lack of motivation is just a really mild form of depression. 
you know, if we think of depression as being kind of like the full blown, there's no point to life and all this kind of stuff, then a lack of motivation is the very earliest steps for that. But here's what's interesting about depression described as a neuroinflammatory problem. That's what the medical research says. And yet, despite all the research in the neurological literature, as well as the endocrine literature and the immunological literature, describing depression as a neuroinflammatory consequence, in clinical practice, as well as among healthcare consumers, when someone says depression, they immediately think, oh, you must have a neurotransmitter imbalance. And so from a clinical perspective, and also, again, on the, on the healthcare consumer side, saying people going out to buy their own nutritional supplements or what have you, they're looking for things that can influence serotonin, or they're looking for things that can influence something like dopamine or norepinephrine. These are sometimes neurotransmitters that are involved in some kind of a, a depression scenario. But again, the literature says that depression is neuroinflammation. And specifically, it's inflammation of the frontal lobe, which is right behind your forehead. So why is there this big disconnect between what's being practiced in, in specifically the medical community, but to be all honest, also in the, the alternative and integrative medicine community, uh, is that unfortunately doctors don't read the research. <laughs> and this is a huge problem that, that it, not only does it take a long time for things that are published in the literature to get filtered down into the educational system where new doctors are being trained on new research, some estimates are that there can be up to a 20-year gap between there's when there's consensus in medical research about something and when that shows up in a in a medical textbook it could be as long as 20 years the bottom line is most doctors are too busy they are stressed themselves they deal with healthcare struggles a lot of them are inflammatory based and, and they don't read their own research and so they end up kind of behind the eight ball having to make quick decisions and then the the general consensus even though it's largely incorrect is that depression is a neurotransmitter imbalance, and then all of a sudden you get uh, like a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, something like Xanax or Paxil, or maybe it affects uh, dopamine or norepinephrine or even a combination of those. And, uh, you know, this is, I guess, one of the, the powerful things or the outcomes of understanding human physiology and understanding what's published in the medical literature and then basing your clinical practice on those things is that you see things from a different perspective. And our perspective is looking at global systems first before you start looking at minutia and smaller details. To be honest, all of the details, if someone comes and consults with me and wants to you know, be like a one-on-one -on -one coaching client, all of the details to me only make sense once I understand the big picture. So I don't dive into, well, when did this happen? When did that happen? I want to step back and see the big picture because I know once I have the big picture, then all the details start to fit into place and the story that those symptoms tell me is easy to read and it's easier to make decisions about what's going on. So that's one way to start to understand the bigger picture of inflammation is to start to realize it's only one part of the entire neuroendocrine immune supersystem. So that's how inflammation affects the brain. Well, how does the brain affect inflammation? Or let's say, how does brain influence the immune system? And actually, this is actually quite profound. Uh, we have, as, as kind of unpleasant as it is to think about, they, we have what are called lesion studies uh, where they take animals and they cause an injury to the brain and then they measure what happens to the immune system. And even though the research has not yet come to really firm conclusions, 
about this part of the brain affects this part of the immune system and so on. What we do know is that when the brain gets injured or if the brain lacks development, like in a, in a child that grows to adulthood, but they have some kind of a developmental delay, or if we have head injury or a concussion we already talked about, if we have um, uh, like early neuro or extensive neurodegeneration, like we might see in dementias or Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's, what we know is that the change in brain behavior is accompanied by an increased amount of brain inflammation as well as systemic inflammation. So the brain actually controls major portions of how your immune system works. And so when we lose part of how the brain works, we lose control over immunology and the net result typically shifts our body and shifts our brain into a pro-inflammatory state, which you should now understand turns around and affects how the brain behaves. It slows down processing and then promotes things like lack of motivation or depression. Now there are other things, but those are probably the most common things that we see in clinical practice. And so what about the other, the other aspect, which is hormones? Um, when we look at uh, how hormone systems are, are put together, we have the brain which sends signals to glands in the body and then the glands make hormones that circulate in the body that do something and then signals get fed back to the brain so the brain can control all of that. So for example, we have the hypothalamus affecting the thyroid, affecting the body, or let's say the hypothalamus affecting the pituitary effect in the thyroid, that's called the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis. We also have the adrenals, so the hypothalamus affects the pituitary which affects the adrenals which makes cortisol and that affects the brain as well. And then we have the gonadal system, where we have the hypothalamus affecting the pituitary, which then affects your reproductive system. And so whether we're talking about hormones like cortisol or insulin or reproductive hormones like progesterone, estrogen, or testosterone, there are significant impacts on immunology that can either be pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory. So for example, Estrogen is well known to be an anti-inflammatory agent, as is testosterone for men. And so think about a woman that goes through menopause and her estrogen levels are fluctuating because that's part of the natural process of aging. And as she loses estrogen production, uh, she loses control over the inflammatory state and, and she tends to become more inflamed. That inflammation then can further impair how the estrogen system works. In fact, inflammation generically tends to derail all hormonal systems because it impairs how the hypothalamus and the pituitary talk to their targets, whether that is the adrenal system, the thyroid system, or the reproductive system. And so no matter how we slice it, when we look at brain hormones and the immune system all working together, the links between each piece are bi-directional relationships. So again, the immune system affects the brain and the brain affects the immune system. The immune system affects the hormones and the hormones affect the immune system and the brain and the hormones affect each other as well. And these are tightly interlinked. And I strongly encourage you that if you are confused by a situation, and if you listen to the first episode, I, I use this phrase, if you have multiple symptoms and multiple systems, meaning it seems like everything's gone wrong, what you're dealing with is you're at some level, you're dealing with failure of integration of the neuroendocrine immune super system. And understanding things from that perspective, particularly if your interest is identifying and controlling inflammation, you can't have a, a, 
again, a sensible conversation without talking about how the brain is working, how the hormones are working, and ideally, you'll look at the whole picture. That's the way it works. Thank you so much for listening to the Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time.